Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website, parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD. Hello, hello, parents. Welcome to another episode of the Parenting ADHD podcast. I cannot believe it, but we are already on episode number 30. And today I'm going to talk to you about ADHD medication. There are a lot of um, rumors and things that just aren't factual, myths about ADHD medication. And the first is that we are somehow doping our children into submission if we give them ADHD stimulant medication or that we are trying to take the easy way out. So instead of parenting better or working harder at it, we're just going to give our kids medication because that's so much easier. Um, There are a lot of myths around medication about how dangerous it is. It is in the United States a Schedule 2 controlled substance. There are a lot of laws around these medications and controlling their distribution and use. Some of them can be addictive when they are misused. Um, A lot of people really freak out about the fact that some of the stimulant medications are amphetamines, but What I have learned over time from scientists and ADHD experts and physicians is that to get the same, to get a level of amphetamine that a drug addict or a recreational user would use, it's a much, much, much larger amount than one dose. Of ADHD medication. So when people say, well, you might as well be giving your kid meth, that is not true. That is not a true statement. Um, and so it's very hard when your child is diagnosed with ADHD and the clinician is telling you, I think they need medication. I think medication could really help um, with their quality of life, with their functioning. And on the other side, you're hearing all of these other voices, all of these myths are running through your head, all of the scary stories that people put out on the internet are going through your mind and you're probably freaking out. I know when my son was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of six, we went into the appointment. We might have spent 30 minutes with a developmental pediatrician, maybe, probably less. And then he says, well, it's ADHD and I think he needs medication. And 
I couldn't process it because I didn't even expect ADHD. I expected maybe a learning disability. ADHD was not on my radar only because I believed the myths out there about ADHD and didn't have the factual information to make an informed consideration of ADHD at the time. And so then he says medication and I'm just done because I don't know anything good about medication either. All I know is that people give their kids medicine for ADHD to dope them into submission. So they'll do what they're supposed to do. And I wasn't going to do that to my child, right? I'm not going to dope my child into submission. I'm going to love him and teach him and it's all going to be okay. The problem was that it already was not anywhere near okay. He was already crying on a daily basis. He was already putting himself down. He was just very sad, probably depressed at the age of five. He could not meet any expectation from anyone, no matter how hard he tried. And he was 110% defeated. And so when my husband and I sat back and said, okay, this is what we're dealing with. How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to help him? And the developmental pediatrician had said, you know, you and the teacher are already doing a lot of behavior modification. You're already doing the things that we would try before we try medication. So you've already kind of gone through that stage of it before you ever got here and got a diagnosis. And we were both terrified of ADHD medication, completely and utterly terrified. But after a couple days and a lot of ruminating on it, we came to the conclusion that we needed to try for our son, for his happiness, for his ability to succeed, for his self-esteem. And we knew that if it wasn't right for him, if it didn't go well, we could stop. And of course, we had a lot of issues with medication. We had to try a lot of them, a lot of different Um, dosages and adding other medications to try to keep the effectiveness going more than two months and on and on. It was a very long process for us. And it was hard. It was daily. It was hard, but it was worth it because he felt better about himself. He was able to actually meet some expectations. He was able to sit down and play with Legos as long as he wanted to. He always wanted to spend more times on things that he enjoyed, but he his brain wouldn't let him. His brain would not let him spend more than four or five minutes on anything. And so medication helped with that. And it really has changed his life. It has not fixed everything. I am not going to sit here and pretend that medication is a fix or a cure or the one and only answer for ADHD. It is just one tool in a pretty large toolbox that you need to help your child with their ADHD. So in this episode, what I want to do is really give you a lot of information that was not offered to us when we were given a prescription. And 
this information is not really widely talked about, but it's very crucial for you to know when you're trialing medication or when your child is on ADHD medication. It's it's just really valuable. And, and I'll tell you, most general practitioners, most pediatricians do not have this level of knowledge and experience with ADHD medications. I'm not saying none of them do. I'm just saying that the majority don't because they're not focused on ADHD every day. They don't have a lot of patients with it that they're treating. And so they don't have the same experience level as a developmental pediatrician or a psychiatrist would have or someone else who has specialized in ADHD or neurodevelopmental disorders. So I think that's really key for most families is that you're working with someone who has experience with ADHD and with treating ADHD with medication. And then so you get a prescription. Here's what you should know. There are two types of of ADHD stimulant medication. When you hear the studies quoted that 80% of people respond well to ADHD medication or that medication plus therapy together is what's recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics to treat ADHD, they are talking about stimulant medication. There are also some non-stimulants, Intuniv, Capve, Stratera. Those are all non-stimulants. They are not the same kind of medication, and they are not controlled substances. So 80% of folks will find some benefit with stimulant medication for ADHD. There are two types of stimulants. There are methylphenidates, which include Ritalin, Concerta, Quillivant, Quillichew. Um, there are some new ones on the market even. Um, Daytrona is also a methylphenidate. And then you have the amphetamines. That's Adderall, Vyvanse, Evicchio, um, Atensis, I think is the new newest one on the market. Um, and so they are two very different types of stimulants. They just work differently. Um, And so most people, most individuals do well on one type or the other type, but not both. So for instance, my child does well on methylphenidate. He cannot take amphetamines. They turn a sweet, huggable, caring boy into a volatile violent, aggressive kid. Um, And we tried more than one, and that's what those do for him. So we learned that he's a methylphenidate kid. If he's going to get benefit from stimulant medication, it must be a methylphenidate type of stimulant. And, you know, Dr. Dodson, Dr. William Dodson at the Dodson ADHD Center, he actually trials one of each type with newly diagnosed patients. He works mostly with adults and some adolescents, I believe. But ADHD medication works the same no matter what age. So 
he knows that they're going to have the best benefit from one type or the other, but not both. So both are not created equal in an individual patient. So he trials a methylphenidate and an amphetamine, and then he speaks with a patient to determine which one was a better experience for them, which one was more effective at treating ADHD symptoms with the least amount of side effects. And it's really a good idea. It's something that I did not know starting out. And I did not learn until after we had settled finally on a medication. But this is really valuable information. You know, if your pediatrician gives your child Vyvanse and they're running around angry and things just seem worse instead of better, now you will know to talk to the prescribing doctor and have a discussion about the two types and which one might be better for your child. Or you know that, you know, your pediatrician doesn't have all of that information to offer to you, all of that experience, and you would prefer to go to someone else for ADHD medication management. So you know now that there are two types. Your child will do better with a methylphenidate or an amphetamine, but they will not do well with both. You also now know that your neighbor's child, who also has ADHD, might do better with an amphetamine and not do well with a methylphenidate because they're individuals. And ADHD medication efficacy depends on three things, genetics, metabolism, and an individual's neurotransmitter function. So genetics sometimes play a role in different genetic abnormalities. Um, One more common one in the ADHD and autism communities is the MTHFR polymorphism. And that can affect how someone tolerates or doesn't tolerate different medications. Metabolism, of course, plays into the dosage, um, plays into how well um, some types of Uh, time-release medications work compared to others. And then, of course, our individual neurotransmitter function is what determines how much medication, how much stimulant someone might need. But there aren't any tests for these things. We can't go to the doctor and say, okay, look at my kid, tell me which medication is going to be best. There's no way to know unless you try them. That's the really unfortunate aspect of ADHD medication. And it's the same for antidepressants, anxiety medications, mood stabilizers, you know, all of these sort of mental health medications are very much trial and error because they depend so much on a person's individual neurochemistry. One other thing to know, and this is something that our physician at the time told me when they handed me the first prescription, sometimes ADHD medication, when the dose is too low, will make behavior worse instead of better. 
So you go home, you start this medication, your kid is a mess. They are angry, they're acting out, they're um, just totally different than normal and not in a good way. That could signal that it's the wrong medication for your child, but it could also signal that it's just too low of a dose. It could say to you that there's you know, a a little bump in dosage up one notch or two notches, whatever you and your doctor determine could actually be a good fit. So a lot of families and a lot of physicians give up on a medication if they have a bad reaction to the lowest dose. But sometimes a higher dose would have worked well. Um, It's very hard to tell that. And emotionally, as parents, when we see our kids struggle, when we see a medication changing who they are, it's hard to say, oh, let's just increase it. But that is a factor that really can help you in finding the right medication and right dosage for your child. Something else to remember is that measure the standard practice for prescribing ADHD medication is to start at the lowest dose manufactured and only increase if and when necessary because a six-year-old who's 45 pounds might need the maximum dose of Vyvanse, while a 40-year-old 300-pound man might only need the very smallest dose of Vyvanse because it has nothing to do with age or size. It depends entirely on their metabolism, their genetics, and their neurochemistry, their neurotransmitter functioning. That's really important. If you ever have a clinician who is trying to give you a prescription for stimulant medication for ADHD and says, because your child is this size or age, I'm giving them this dose, you know that you need to work with someone else on this medication. That is inaccurate. Now, Intunive, a non-stimulant, is dosed by weight and size. So it's it's important they're not all this way, but all stimulants are this way. You start at the lowest dose because you have no idea how much medication, what strength of medication an individual will need until you try it and you get good results. Then you know that that's an optimal dose for that person. So it's a process, but it should always, always start at the bottom. And say your child has been on a methylphenidate for, you know, six months or a year, and now you're switching to a different methylphenidate. Say they were on Ritalin, now you're switching to Concerta because you want a longer time release and more time um, with medication coverage in the day. You can't go from one dose of Ritalin and say, okay, this dosage of Concerta is equivalent. They are different medications. Yes, they have the same active ingredient, but they have different additives. They have different time release mechanisms. They are different medications. You must go back to the lowest dose 
and start from there whenever you start a new medication. Now, I'm sure some doctors will say, well, you know, you needed the highest dose of Ritalin. There's no way you're going to need the lowest dose of Concerta. And there may be some some meat to that. There may be some credence to that. But um, be really careful and definitely never go all the way to the highest dose of a medication right from the start. That is almost always a recipe for disaster. So... We know that your child will do well on one type of stimulant or the other, methylphenidate or amphetamine. We know that sometimes too low of a dose actually makes things worse instead of better. We know that your doctor should be writing a prescription for the lowest dose of a medication to start out with. Some other things to know, you need to journal the experiences when your child is trying a new medication. What time did you give it to them? What did they eat or drink with it? What time and what did they eat or drink for lunch, for dinner, for snacks? How much sleep did they have that night? Did they have trouble falling asleep? Did they have trouble waking up the next day? Um, And then you need to journal their moods and behaviors good and bad, but always with the time. So for instance, there's a phenomenon called rebound. And when ADHD medication is wearing off, sometimes behavior has kind of this burst of degradation um, in the afternoon. Behavior gets worse, and then it mellows out. That is often rebound. It is where the medication is wearing off and they're kind of their brain is trying to acclimate to the differences between my brain with the help of medication and my ADHD brain without any treatment or help. And there are some things that you can do about rebound. If this is like the greatest medicine for your child, they have no other side effects. It is helping immensely. You start looking at what can we do to resolve the rebound issue. Some doctors prescribe a short-acting stimulant medication to take in the afternoon right before the other starts wearing off. So it just tapers a little more slowly. Some medications like Concerta and Vyvanse are supposed to have a much gentler wear off. Um, We definitely see that with Concerta that my son takes. There's also to make sure that your child eats a hearty protein snack right before that would start to happen. So if you start seeing rebound at three, give them a huge dose of protein at 2.30, say. Um, I've also heard that being well hydrated, drinking lots of water will help. Um, I think that's certainly valid for medications that are time release that um, work in the stomach in that way. Um, but make sure that you... And, and in the mornings, too, you know, when your child takes medication, make sure they eat something and try to make sure it has protein because they need that for brain function, for one, but also to make sure that their medication is not causing stomach aches. Um, 
And I think it can help with headaches sometimes too. So when is it time to say, this isn't working for us? When is it time to wave the white flag? One thing would be that um, it's really changing your child's personality. If that is the case, you need to talk to the prescribing doctor right away and changes need to be made. Another could be that... Um, your child is much more moody or aggressive or volatile, again, talk to the doctor right away. It signals a need for a change. Your child may be zombie-like, which is kind of this myth out there that every kid on ADHD medication or every adult is going to be like a zombie. That's not true. If your child is very mellow and subdued and... um zombie-like, as people call it, then they probably have either too high of a dosage or they're on the wrong medication for them. Either way, that is your signal to call the doctor and make a change. You know, there are lots of different things. And you really need to be in close contact with a prescribing doctor for a while when you're trialing ADHD medication. If you don't feel like you can reach that doctor and get help in a timely manner, or ask questions and get answers in a timely manner, um, if you feel like they are inaccessible, or if you feel like that they are not really listening to you and your input, I would encourage you to find someone different. We had that issue starting out and we did switch to a different clinician after about nine months or a year as soon as um, a difference in our insurance coverage allowed it. So, you know, trust your gut. You have lived with this child. You know this child better than anyone else, certainly better than the prescribing doctor. So this is where your instincts matter and you need to communicate them. Of course, you also need to be open to the experience and the knowledge of the clinician, but you need to make sure that you are also being heard and your concerns are being validated and addressed. That is crucial, especially when you're going through this process with your child that is certainly uncomfortable. ADHD medication for all parents is uncomfortable. It's frightening. And the more you know about it, the better you can make that decision and the better you can get through trialing and get to a good place in your child's treatment. Now, to talk just a second about other medications, there are the non-stimulants that I mentioned before, Intuniv, which is also um, guanfacine. Guanfacine is the generic, it is also the short-acting tablet. Intuniv came later, and it is a time-release version of guanfacine, specifically manufactured for ADHD. Intuniv or guanfacine, I should say, is um, an old blood pressure medication that they had found over time was beneficial for kids with ADHD. And so after a long process of trialing and FDA um, trials and approvals and such, Intuniv came on the market and it was finally 
a version of guanfacine that was FDA approved to treat ADHD. For a long time, it was just written off label by physicians who knew that it could be beneficial. Sometimes Intuniv is used with a stimulant medication to help um, help with mornings or evenings when the stimulant isn't um, in their system anymore. Um, sometimes to help with sleep if stimulant is making it hard harder for them to sleep. Um, Catve is a similar medication. It is also um, a blood pressure type medication, is my understanding, and it is also a non-stimulant. And then, of course, there's Stratera, which was the first non-stimulant approved for ADHD treatment, and it actually started as an antidepressant. And I believe that it wasn't approved as an antidepressant or it was found to not be very effective. I don't know. So it was um, then trialed for ADHD and approved for that. Um, it does come with the black box suicidal ideation warning for children that antidepressants do. Um Sometimes people don't respond well to stimulants or non-stimulants. Then doctors use other types of medications. They might use antidepressants, um, SSRIs, or tricyclics. Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant and is also used um, in smoking cessation as well, Um is often used for people with ADHD who didn't respond well to stimulant medication. It has been shown to have some positive benefits for ADHD. Um, not as many as stimulants, obviously, or a lot of people would be taking it, but it is another option that's out there. And then you have your... Um, mood stabilizers, um, the anti-seizure medications, those are sometimes used for ADHD when nothing else works. Um, they're often added when mood issues are a component. Um, and so you might have a discussion with your doctor about those medications. They might bring those up to you, ask if you want or need to try them. Um, they are kind of part of the ADHD medication family, so to speak. Um, although I don't think that any of them are approved to treat ADHD. And sometimes insurance companies, a lot of times insurance companies won't cover medications that aren't FDA approved for the reason that the doctor is prescribing them. They call it off-label when a doctor writes a prescription for a medication for a diagnosis that it has not been approved to treat, then they're giving you that prescription off-label. And sometimes you do run into issues with that with insurance companies and coverage. Lastly, I want to make sure that you realize that I am not a physician. I am not a medical doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not um, any sort of doctor or therapist at all. And so every bit of information that I have given you in this episode, of course you want to discuss and confirm with your actual physician. You want to take their advice 
over anything that I would say here. I am not giving you medical advice. I am only sharing information that I have learned over the years in working on medications with my own son and also in a lot of research for writing magazine articles and books and um, getting the information that I needed as a parent of a child with ADHD. So make sure that you take this information to a medical professional and that they have the last word in your child's treatment. If you don't feel confident with what they are advising, seek a second opinion, find a new physician. That is totally within your rights. And as a parent, you just really have to follow your gut and do what you know is right for your child. So that is a good overview of ADHD medication and the real facts behind it. We've talked about some myths and how they are myths and they are not true. Um, There are many articles on the internet about ADHD medication, sites like Attitude Magazine and the National Institute of Mental Health um, and CHAD, C-H-A-D-D.org, are great, reputable resources for this information. But I want you to be sure that you're getting the facts when you're considering ADHD medication to treat your child's condition. Make sure that you are making an informed decision when you're considering this, because it is a really important decision. And it can really impact your child's life positively or negatively, you know, based on whether you choose medication or you don't choose medication. Um, And so that, of course, is a personal decision for each family to make. But I want you to be making informed decisions. I don't want the misinformation out there to keep you from doing something that could really help your child and your family. I am finished talking about medicine at the moment now for this episode. I am wrapping up and I will see you on the next show. This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams.